With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Hello and welcome to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We're promoting knowledge that is engaging and transforming. We're empowering you, our listeners, to be knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around them. You're welcome to join us in this illuminating journey by calling in on our line, 917-388-4293. We're live in the chat room at uh, blogtalkradio.com, so you can join us there. Follow us on Twitter, uh, at Prophesy. Send us an email, ltneilcox.net. Uh, we're on Facebook, wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you are, we welcome you today. Listen, I want to say thank you to all my supporters and everyone who's been following us in the broadcast. We really do appreciate your support and your prayers and thanksgiving. We thank you because uh, we're able to continue on doing this work with your support and your prayers. And speaking of prayers, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, we want to thank you for great is your grace toward us. You have kept us and you have provided for us, and you continue to be faithful to us. Forgive us of our sins. Blot out our iniquities and sins of our youth. And we pray, God, that you will let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Bless you all who are listening, who will listen to the archives, and everyone else who will be following on the chat room. Let this conversation, dialogue, and lesson be pleasing in your sight and in your ears. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, again, I want to say, express my appreciation and thanks to you. Uh, we were not on last week. We were in our annual conference, and the Lord and the bishop has seen fit to return us as the pastor of Union Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Amelia, Louisiana. The charge and the task is to put up a new building to the glory of God. If you ever get a chance, visit our website, www.ltneilministries.com or unionbethelonline.org, and you'll find out about our ministry. The church, we celebrate 145 years uh, in, in the building that we are now. The building is 108 years old, and the Lord is blessed that they've been able to worship in that building. Uh, they've been, it's been through a lot, hurricanes, all that, storms, you name it, and the building has still been standing after 108 years. So we give glory to God for that and for her to send us, our Bishop Carolyn Tyler Gidry, who sent us back to build a new edifice to the glory of God. So that's what we're going to do. We were nervous yesterday when we returned to the service, to the church, but uh, we have the task ahead. And we're going to do it, but we had an awesome time at our annual conference, so uh, I didn't broadcast last week. I took a day just to kind of relax and reflect on some things, get ready for this broadcast. Yeah, so mid-October, I don't know, man, this time is going by so fast. The weather is beautiful. Football games are great. Saints won yesterday. <laughs> Cowboys, oh, well, I'm not going to mess with the Cowboys today. But we're excited, you know, good, 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 good weather, good, good times. And I love fall and I love spring. I can do away with summer and winter. But down here in Louisiana, you can't really tell the can't really tell winter sometimes because it's still hot. <laughs> but God is praised, you know. Time is filled with swift transition, and we're seeing it fly by. We're almost in November, you know. And we're going to see that fly by fast. Next thing, you no, know, we'll be looking forward to New Year. So. But um, time is fine by, but we're getting close to election time. As a matter of fact, we have just about two weeks 
uh, until it's time for midterm elections. And they've been saying that this is a critical election a cycle, uh, midterm election cycle for President Obama. And I, I, my thing is every election is critical. There's no such thing as a minor election year. Every election, no matter if it's on the local level, the state level, or the federal level, every election is important. And everybody should be participating and operating in their right and their responsibility to vote. Now, uh, I, you know, I do appreciate some of the things that have gone on in this last Congress, but Everybody's complaining about things, you know, particularly, uh, you know, with the Tea Party movement. They're complaining about what they dislike about President Obama and they're calling them everything but the child of, child of God, and these are some Christian folk. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not a firm, I'm, I'm not really a supporter, of, uh, per se, of President Obama. I, I support him because he's my president. I love him with all the love of God, and I, I praise God that he's. He's in office, you know. He's been doing some things that kind of, you know, uh, it's been a little bit too left leaning and liberal for me. But uh, I pray for him every day, and I have our church pray for him also because it's important that we understand that, you know, we made history, but that wasn't enough because although he's he's in office, you know, he has a Republican Party that's saying no to everything. He's saying he wants to get passed, which in some ways may be good, and he has a Democratic Party who's saying he has not done enough. He hasn't gone far left enough. You know, he's too, too moderate for them, and he's, he can't win for losing. So you need to get out to vote for your uh, congressman, congressional elections, for your uh, – if you have a Senate election in your uh, state – you need to get out and vote. If you have any type of local or state election, you need to get out and vote. I'm going to put it to you this way. And an elderly person explained to me and said she couldn't understand why people, aren't, particularly Christians, aren't politically active. And she, uh, the question was, if you, how many of you have a trash can? You know, and he says, every time your trash is picked up, you're participating in the political process because it's politicians who determine when and where your trash is going to be picked up. <laughs> it, it was just that simple. You know, it turned the light on for a lot of people. But, and, you know, a lot of Christians disregard the political process. But we need to get involved, and we don't need to get involved just because, you know, the right-wing Republicans say it should be a Christian state. We don't need to get involved in that. Uh, we don't need to get involved because the left wingers say, you know, a secular state. We need to get involved, plain and simple, because of the fact that um, as believers, we have a voice, and we need to have that voice known. Because if you don't agree with something, just because you're both Democrat and Republican, if you don't agree with something, you have the right and the responsibility to let that be known. And, you know, if you're tired of what you're a representative or your senator is not doing or is doing that is not reflective of your your values, vote them out, plain and simple, and get someone in there who represents what you believe and uh, can better represent you, your country, your city, your state. Anyway, and the same thing in church folk too. You know, church is political too. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that, but church is political too, so get them out and get them involved. Uh, so that's my little political right rant for today. 
And I'll be doing that. And, and, and I, again, I'm encouraging you not just to pray, because that's all some folks want to do. Don't pray. Just get out. Get out and vote, because if you're dissatisfied with what's happening in the country, then go make your dissatisfaction known by pulling a lever, pushing a button, or however you do it. Just get out and do it. Amen. All right. Well, you know, let's talk about the news of the week. I mean, the news that really made the headlines last week. The rescue of the Chilean miners, uh, the miners in Chile. Uh, And part of my discussion I was going to talk about today is about uh, God's security, his salvation, uh, if you want to put it that way. And and we saw a demonstration of... uh, Security, the 60-odd days those men were underground in Chile. And we saw what happened. I mean, they, they, they had their own society. They had their own law. They, you know, they had created things that they needed to survive those uh, while they were underground. And then we saw that dramatic rescue. I mean, it was amazing. We saw that rescue, and, and it took just about a day, a little over, a little under a day, to rescue all 33 of them, and it was amazing. And we saw how they all came out, and, you know, <laughs> and one even had his mistress greet him. Uh, but on the same side, on the, on, on, the other, on the flip side of that, while we were celebrating just a few days later, after those miners were rescued, you had 23 miners get killed in China, and 11, they don't, 11 of those uh, some of those miners, they don't, they still haven't found their bodies. They don't know where they are. So that, you know, that made me ask that question um, about God's security. And, uh, use this analogy uh, to question to ask about God's security. You know, is it just temporary, temporal, uh, natural uh, within this life, or and is it also includes uh, eternal security and? Eternal security is a topic that is highly, highly uh, speedable, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, a little bit more. But uh, in relation to, in relation to the Chilean miners and their rescue, uh, the miners that we had that were killed in an explosion here in the United States, and the miners who were killed just recently in China. Uh, I guess the question of God's sovereignty, God's will, uh, what was the difference? I mean, why were they rescued and the others collapsed? And, you know, and those are the questions I want to address some of and to a degree when I'm talking about uh, temporary security and eternal security. So you kind of bear with me. I, I kind of see scanner brain. Don't worry about that. Uh, ADD kicking in. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back from this break, we are going to – get into our topic of God's security. The question is, uh, is it just temporal, is it eternal, or is it both? And and if it is both, how does it work, and what are we, how do we benefit from it? Amen? So we're going to take this break, and we'll be right, right back. I once was young, but now I'm old.
All right. Welcome back to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Again, we're glad we're joining with us in this discussion. We appreciate you. Uh, feel free to join in the dialogue at 917-388-4293. Call us in. And, uh, join in the chat room, blogtalkradio.com. Um, Send us an email, ltmeal at cox.net. Listen, we want to hear from you. We want you to share this discussion. We're talking about God's security, is it eternal and or temporal? So uh, let's get a good idea of what I'm talking about when I say temporal and uh, eternal security and salvation. What what do I really mean by that? Uh, What is is purposed by that? How is – how can it be – what does it mean – um, what what do we do? What does it mean? Uh, so I, I took the liberty to look up the word temporal so you can get an understanding of temporal and uh, security and all of that. <laughs> I feel like I'm a teacher again. All right, so the word temporal here, uh, by Webster's definition, is uh, of or relating to time as opposed to eternity of or relating to earthly life, lay or secular rather than clerical or sacred. And um, uh, that is as a adjective. So so as an adjective, temporal means relating to time as opposed to eternity, relating to earthly life as opposed to uh, sacred and uh, natural. And, excuse me, and of course, security, uh, uh, where is that? There we go. Security, uh have to go to the root word secure, uh, uh, free from fear or distrust, easy in mind, confident, assured in opinion, expectation, having no doubt, free from anger, free from risk of loss, uh, affordingly safely, affording safety. Now that's a, those are some good definitions that Webster provides for uh, temporal and security. Now, uh, now I grew up in the church. I, I grew up in the church, and I heard uh, a lot of the old folks talk about God's, uh, what we call security now, God's security, or God's provision, or God taking care of trust in the Lord. You know, the song "I Will Trust in the Lord." And uh, we had a childhood hymn, a childhood. Uh, that we were seeing, of course, during the invitation time, it was come to Jesus, you know, that, that come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now. But there are two lines in there that always caught my attention, but I never really understood them. And the first one was like, he will save you, you know, that one. And then the other one would be only trust him. Um, and when you look at those two and the context that they were singing, of course, it, it was during the invitation, you know, you know, they'd open the doors of the church and they'd say, come on down to the altar, you know, come down and sit in the chairs. And, you know, growing up in the Baptist church, you know, they had the chairs out, the deacons were standing by the chairs, and now they, you know, deacons probably, uh, it's more common now that deacons or ministers stand out in the aisles and, you know, extend their arms for people to come to the altar. But when I was growing up, we also had the mourner's bench, too. You know, during revival time, you sit on the morning bench, and uh, an old mother will make you go up there if you stay longer than three days. And you know, by Friday, if you weren't off that morning's bench, they're gonna push you off that morning's bench. <laughs> I know, I know. Y'all probably can't remember some of that thing, those things, but 
it, it was those things. And they thought about salvation in the term of eternal life and, uh, you know, Christianity and joining the church. But they also took it a step for, for a third, further. Excuse me, I cannot talk. They talked about, uh, you know, you know, when they sang, I will trust in the Lord, and they knew they didn't have anything, you know, provision-wise, you know, finances-wise. So, uh, uh, when we look at how they managed on so little, and, you know, their view of God's security was both temporal as well as eternal. They knew, they, they were assured that they had eternal life. They They didn't doubt that. But also they did not doubt that God would make a way out of no way and see to their uh, natural, their limited needs. Now, uh, we've gotten away from this because uh, we don't teach as much as suffering in the church anymore uh, because we teach more, a lot of preachers are teaching prosperity and they're teaching faith and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, we do need to have that and we need to be aware that that is available to us. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of script. there's more scriptures about suffering than there is, than there are about uh, uh, prosperity, I guess you can say. Because more people suffered in the Bible that led to eternal security than, uh, you know, what we preach and promote today. You know, some people will have you believe that if you're going through anything that is a result of sin, some sin that you've done, and that's not always the case. But uh, they had a, they had an uncanny way of relating their salvation to uh, to not just the eternal, but to the temporal. They realized that God was with them both on the this side of the world and on the other side of the world. And when you look back to the scripture, you, you find you look you find that in, in there. You know, uh, think about it. Let's, let's, you go all the way back to when God decided to when He saw that the wickedness in Genesis chapter six. When God saw that the wickedness of man was so much that whatever he thought about he could do, you know, imagine he did, mankind, womankind, humankind. And he sought to protect those who were righteous. And in this case, it, was, it happened to be Noah. And, you know, he provided eternal security and natural security from the wickedness of the world to Noah. When you think about that, you know, when Noah built the ark, everybody was talking about him. And but when they, you know, when the rain came and the flood came, and his family only his family was saved, that's a form of temporal security, as well as eternal security, because uh, again, uh, Noah's family was used to repopulate the human race. And, repopulate the earth, you know, with the animals and everything. You know, some people call that a myth. It, um, if it is a myth, it doesn't matter. It's in every culture in the world. Every culture in the world has that story of uh, a flood and repopulation of the humankind. So whether it's a myth or not, it doesn't matter. But we see God intervening in the temporal affairs of man with salvation. He saved Noah. He saved Noah from the wickedness of the world by uh, allowing him to 
builds the ark. And and most people don't see that and most people don't think about that. But that's what happened. That is exactly what happened when he uh built the ark for Noah. When he had Noah built the ark, that was a form of biblical salvation, uh, uh temporal salvation. And we we can keep on going on. I, you know, think about Abraham. Abraham when he lied, even though he lied when he went into Egypt and he told the king that his wife was actually his sister. God still spared his life and uh when Lot and he got separated and Lot decided to part ways from him and Lot went into uh what was the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and and God was about to destroy that city, those cities for their uh, unrighteousness, their wickedness, or whatever lifestyle that they had going on at the time that was displeasing to him. He was uh, he was going to destroy them, and he said, you know, he went to to Abraham. He and Abraham talked face to face, and he said, if he could find such and such. Uh, if I could find this many righteous men, if I could find this many righteous men, if I could do this, um, that uh, I would save them. And, of course, you know, the story got lower. The number started at 50 and got lower and lower and lower and lower. Eventually, God did uh, pronounce judgment on them, and it rained down fire and brimstone and, you know, the story. But Lot was able to escape because God intervened. Again, temporal salvation. Uh, it was undeserving. It was, you know, uh, some may consider unjustified because Lot escaped because of his connection with Abraham and other people perished. It depends on how you interpret that scripture. Uh, that people have, you know, it, it goes on uh, different ways. But the reality is that God saw fit to intervene for temporal security. He got he got Lot out. He got Lot's family out, and as a result, even after God even after God delivered Lot and his daughters, they still got involved in wickedness because his daughters thought the world was uh, was completely destroyed, and they were afraid that there was nobody left to reproduce. And they said, well, they plotted with themselves, and well, we're going to lay with our fathers so we can have kids. You understand? That was crazy. But that is what they did. And when I think about that now, I was like, oh, my God, how in the world did they do that? Or why did they do that? But, again, we see <laughs> we see temporal security because he still provided for them despite, mind you, despite what they had done, God still provided for them. And God still secured them. My phone is ringing in it usually doesn't ring, so excuse that. But uh, so we see that out again, uh, God's temporal security. And when I think about temporal security, I, I think about some of the Psalms. Uh, so there are some beautiful Psalms that are written that are amazing. When you go through and read them, David writes some and uh, others write some. But I think about Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when you look at that, you see again temporal 
temporal security. Because what you come to find is that um, that God gets involved in the life of his people in order to bring about the type of security that they need. It's not just it's not just um God gets in there and then just waits for us to for something to happen to us before he intervenes. No, but he he's involved in that from the beginning. He's aware of what we experience. He's aware of what we go through. He's aware of all of that that we need temple. And uh, you know, I, I think about Psalm ninety one. Uh, we read this. I don't know how many of you often read this, but it, it, it's such a beautiful psalm of protection. Uh, you can you, you ought to turn there and read this sometime because it's 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 a wonderful psalm of protection. It's a wonderful psalm of salvation. It's a wonderful psalm of security. And when I talk when I when I when I you know when I really feel down, and when most people feel down, it's one of those songs that they read. Just just think about the words The one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High Abides in the shadow of the Almighty And I will say to the Lord that he is my refuge And my fortress And that that says right there Security (laughs) Uh, To know that God is on your side Fighting your battles, doing that And you know, we, we I think we forget about that so much. We know that the Lord will fight our battle, but to know that, uh, what's that song, this old song, say he's a battle axe in the time. You know, he's a shelter in the time of storm. He's a battle axe. Uh, when we really come to that recognition and realization that he is there, even in our temporary situations, our earthly life, he's more involved than we would love. When, you know, some would have us. To uh, you know, and there's examples after examples of many other psalms that we could talk about that describe uh, temporal security. And I I like this person, uh, Proverbs three five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him; He will direct your path. Whew. That right there is a powerful way of demonstrating God's uh God's view of your your security both eternal and secu- uh temporal security because he loves you so much that he will take care of you and he will provide for you and he will lead you in the way that you should go and you know there are plenty of other uh plenty of other psalms like I said before and, and even in the new testament there are Accounts of God's temporal security. I think about. Uh, I just think about when Jesus was doing the Feast of Tabernacles, in particular in John chapter six. He was there and he was teaching, and the Bible says there were plenty of people who were trying to get to him. They wanted to kill him, but they couldn't because it wasn't his time. And though they were trying to get their hands on him to kill him, he had God's security. That would not allow them to do so And so when the time came that they did Of course, you know, when I was sitting at the, the Last Supper And uh, he told Judas, go that you, Whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly And when they got to the garden The, the guards there uh, Attempted to arrest him And he said, no man can take my life I 
you know, I, I gave it. But you know, you understand that like, that was that was God's temporary uh, security, temporal security. And of course, I'm thinking about Peter. Um, the story is that Peter had gotten arrested. They were about to, were about to kill him, but there were people praying. And while they were praying, the angel of the Lord came to Peter and unlocked his chains, loosed his chains, and helped him escape. And he went to the very house where they were praying, and the handmaiden opened the door. <laughs> and almost was, I can imagine how it looked when they saw, when she saw that it was Peter at the door, and they were praying for Peter in the room, in the house. And she went to him and Peter was there, and they didn't believe her, and Lo and behold, it was Peter. He was there. That's an example of God's uh, temple and security. And if you read anything about Paul, especially how Paul account recounts the things that he experienced um, in Second Corinthians, in Second Corinthians chapter four and Second Corinthians chapter ten and chapter eleven, you find where Paul recounts a lot of the the things that he experienced, shipwreck, beatings, imprisonments, uh, all these things that he experienced, yet God kept him and protected him. Um, did not allow the harm of the world or the harm of man to come upon him, and he was delivered until it was his time to go to Nero's chopping block. And the Lord saw fit for Paul to be a martyr. But uh, I'm just saying all that to say that God is is aware of our situations, and as much as we probably would like to forget, we we must suffer in the world. We will suffer in the world. Ain't no must. We will suffer in the world. But while we're suffering in the world, God is there with us, and in being with us, he secures us. He will, I hope, secure uh, yeah, that's, the, that's the hymn, right? It says, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other hope I know if thou withdraw thyself from me or whether shall I go. Uh, and then another part is that uh, that hymn says, uh, he will my sword and buckler be. You know, so I think I talked a little bit <laughs> too much. Sure. Uh, give us a call, 917-388-4293. We are in the chat room. Uh Whoa, whoa, we had a little problem with the chat room. We're going to open that back up. Uh, join us in the chat room. Give us a call. Uh, send us an email. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back. We're going to finish our discussion. We're going to talk about eternal security. Oh, 
remember to pray for me. Continue to pray for me. Cause I might be going through that I might go in peace. And I might not know what to do. Continue to keep me listening. For the effectual fervent prayer. That I might go in my faith. www.ltneoministries.com uh, and leave us any type of feedback uh, that you may have. We've been talking about uh, God's security. Is it temporal, eternal, or both? And we start. We just finished the conversation about temporal, and we're going to get into eternal security. And uh, we're not going to be able to spend a lot of time on that because that is a very, very broad subject. Uh, it's a highly um, Highly disputed subject. It depends on what train of thought or what uh, theological background or, or faith uh, background you come from. You're going to understand it or not. Uh, but basically, eternal security is this. Eternal security is the, uh, the doctrine that uh, you cannot lose salvation. Nothing you can do, uh, you can't lose salvation. Uh, and the reason you can't lose it is because you didn't do anything to earn it. However, you know, and some there have been those who've taken that to the extreme, say uh, uh, what some people have called once saved, always saved, and that's promoted in a lot of, um, excuse me, mostly Baptist uh, churches, 
and there are other churches that uh, other denominations, but it's more common in the Baptist church. Not knocking my Baptist brothers and sisters, so just just saying that it's more common. And basically, I could do what some of them go to the extreme, saying that I could do whatever I want to do, and I'm not gonna get lose my salvation once I get saved. But Scripture is clear on that. With Romans one, uh, woman six. One and two. Uh, should we continue with sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And we fully understand that you got to read to the lower part of verse uh, chapter five. But uh, eternal security. Now, when we bring people into the church, you know, when we tell them to come on down to the altar and we give the invitation to Christian discipleship, or we open the doors of the church, we we say to them that you know, you get Jesus your heart. And you know you get saved. Not a, a lot of them understand that salvation, that term salvation. Uh, so you know, and a lot of them think that okay, I'm all right. And they never come back to the church again. <laughs> I, I don't act like y'all don't know those people who, who have done that. And as a pastor, I've I've experienced that far too many times where people come to the church, get saved, get baptized. And after six weeks, you don't see them anymore, or sometimes even shorter time than that. But eternal salvation and eternal security, does that mean that uh, the Bible, does that mean that nothing I do will affect where I go, or I can live anywhere I want to and still get into heaven? And, and again, you know, I, I'm rather reluctant to talk about this because it is, uh, it, it's a hard thing to talk about. One, it's a hard thing to talk about, and it's uh, it's it's difficult to explain because you want people to know that yes, you God requires accountability for you for your sins. Confess your sins to Him, uh, and and that's part of your relationship with Him. And that God is not dis- as we said before in the, uh, the top of the broadcast. God is not distant. God is fully involved in our lives. Uh, you know, He's not. Uh, we some of some Christians have this uh, Satanic or Aristotelian view of God that He just started it and He's gotten out the way. Uh, but that's not the way He is. If you have a relationship with Him, He's fully involved in your life, in every area of your life. And from that perspective, uh, He keeps you eternally. The Bible, you know, we quote the scripture all the time. God loved the world and he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But we leave the verse 17 of John 3, uh, verse 17, God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And again, you know, some some parts of this view of, of eternal security is, is, is okay, it's good. Uh, it's all right Because you want people to know that God loves you enough No matter what your condition is or was To keep you But you don't want them to think That uh, that uh, just because He got you That you know You can get away with anything It's like a spoiled kid But uh, look what John uh, First John Deals a lot with this First John uh, 2 and 19. So they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going to show that none of them belong to us. Uh, 
And when you read that in the context of the scripture, he's talking about the sinner, the believer, and uh, deceiving. And then, he, of course, he talks about the young men and the lust of the world, the lust of the eyes, part of life. But this is what a lot of people use to say that, no, you don't have eternal security or you can lose your salvation or once saved, always save up. Because if they really were belonging to the body of Christ, then they want to turn it back on Christ. But you got to think about it. A lot of people give their confession to Christ, and they go to church. And instead of being built up in the church, they get broken down in the church, and they leave the church. You understand? They need the fellowship of the body. They need the fellowship of uh, believers, uh fellow believers, they, they get out outside the building. They stop going to the building. They stop going to the denomination. They stop doing that. But they never lose faith in Christ. And I think that's where we miss it sometimes when it comes to eternal security. And again, you know, I'm going to try to stay in one lane on this and not get all over the board. You know, not all over the way. Um, when it comes to eternal security, uh, we cannot confuse coming to the church or being members of a church or being active in the church as being equal to eternal salvation. Now the Bible says that we are to work out our work out our own salvation. Working out our own salvation can involve working in the church. It can involve doing good works. because uh, the Bible says in James uh too that faith of that works is dead. You show me your works, and I'll show you my faith, and vice versa. Uh, however, we should not make those equal, and that's what a lot of people have done in the church. Uh, they've made, okay, the visibility of a person in a congregation uh, equal to the acceptance of their eternal salvation. And it does a lot of damage because once people leave, you know, I, when I was growing up, I put it this way, I fellowship with several churches that were Pentecostal, Apostolic, Church of God of Christ. Uh, and they had this extreme, they went, they had this extreme view of, of of the opposite of eternal security. They they had this view that if you missed a Sunday at church, you were all, you just about in hell. You were backslidden if you missed a Sunday. <laughs> Didn't matter if you were sick, because if you were sick, you were supposed to come to the church to get healed. <laughs> But <laughs> I know, I know, a lot of people don't think like that, but that's how it used to be. I'm talking about extremism here. And we've likened visibility, activism, and um, working in the church with eternal security. And I, I dispute that because it's not the same thing. I know a lot of folk who worked in the church and got and never been saved. And every time the altar call is extended, they, you can tell their heart is being pulled and tugged, and yet they resist the call. They resist the call to, of Christ to come unto me, you who are weary and laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They resist that call because their pride says, well, I'm in the church. I've already been baptized. I'm doing work, and they know they, they are not saved. They have not uh, acknowledged. They have not confessed in their mouth and believed in their heart that God raised them from the dead. But they are in the church, and those are the people that we are needing to to address and get to because those are the people who those are the people that are are lost in the church. Those are the ones who think that uh, 
well, if such and such just stopped coming, then they would never write anyway. You know, and don't act like you don't know them because you do. There are plenty of people who are in the church that are hurting, who leave the church because they are still hurting. Uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews talks about those who are falling away. Uh, in Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 3 and, and those chapters there. And there are people who walk away from the faith. We've seen that. We, uh, I think about our most recent popular preacher, uh, Carter Pearson, who all but renounced the Christian faith uh, when he began to say well, there is no hell and then he began to preach the doctrine of inclusion um, and you know all the everybody turned their backs on him called him a heretic but he did that mostly because he realized that what he had been experiencing was nothing more than church work and not true salvation and imagine the thousands of people that he led astray in doing so uh, so many of us do that as preachers, because, you know, we want to see our people active. We want to see our people working, and we want to see all this stuff going on, when in reality, when in reality, uh, our faith dictates our work. In other words, the fact that we are saved, the fact that we have been redeemed from sin, the law of sin and death, and the fact that we have been bought with a price, and we are not our own, is what would push us to do works reflecting that. So I just thought I'd throw that out there uh, to help some of us out. Um, so when it talks about eternal security, um, what does it mean? Does it mean that Christians can live in any way or anything like that? No. Uh, you, the Bible says, again, John chapter 5, Verse uh, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life from that moment, okay? From that moment. And God would not drive them away. And if we die, if we see ourselves crucified with Christ, as Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, if we see ourselves crucified with Christ, we live. Yet we don't live ourselves. We live our life by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for it. However, that does not negate the fact that we must trust and we must uh, present our lives in such a way that is pleasing to God. So we can't just we can't just say, okay, I'm saved and, and you know, stop going to church and it'll be all right. We must demonstrate faith, uh, the faith of Christ, by living and reflecting what Christ has done for us. Uh, and that asks the question. That brings back the question of Romans. Uh, Say, there is now no there is now no condemnation to them who are believe uh, those who are Christ. But we understand there is no condemnation. We will not perish. We will have life everlasting. However, in in all of that, the responsibility of us is to be disciples to be disciples of him, to go out into the world, to preach, to make disciples, to preach the gospel, and 
uh, according to the great commandment of, of John, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or, you know. And when we do that, we're demonstrating God's temporal security through his eternal security or his eternal security through his temporal security. When we see that God is blessing us, God is keeping us, God is surrounding us, God is empowering us, God is our refuge, God is our banner, God is our strong tower, God is our art and our salvation. When we say all of that in a temporal sense, that it is reflected in the eternal because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Uh, we look not at what is seen and we look not at what is heard, but we look to him, uh, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we are controlled not by the sinful nature, of the, but we are controlled by the spirit, as uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. Because if the spirit of God lives in us, then those of us who love the spirit, we don't have the, we have the spirit of Christ, uh, we understand that. We won't do this because if if we have him in us, we're dead. We're dead. Just as he died, we died. We're dead. But we're also alive because he is alive in righteousness just as we are alive in righteousness. It's a newness. Uh, and some people may be thinking about the perseverance of the saints, if you're aware of that. Uh, perseverance of the saints. If you belong to Christ, then Christ lives in you. Uh, there, there is that, and God will empower you to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? God will empower you to go through, to keep on, to live faithfully, because the Bible says, uh, Timothy, the work that He has began in you. Uh, uh, so many people. I just lost my train of thought because I looked in. Uh, I looked on. On the um, chat room, and uh, Doctor Neal says, "Crosses is a flat heretic." <laughs> it's a shame, uh, Doctor Neal. You're right. He he has gone the way of the heretics, and I still pray for him. And, but I understand how he got there, and you know, I don't think a lot of people understand how he got there. But there are a lot of people in the church who are feeling the same way he feels. Why should God uh, condemn those who are wicked? Why should God condemn? Doesn't he love everybody? The reality is, yes, God is love and God is great and God is good and all that, but God is also just. And God requires that us we be holy. And, you know, we want to justify our sin. We want to justify our nature that goes against God. And when we justify our, our sin nature, we're enemies of God, plain and simple. And I'm going to tell you this. Anybody who agrees with Carlton Pearson and all of this stuff simply does not want to be reprimanded. They, they want to live in their sins. They want to feel comfortable in their own skin. And unfortunately, that's not how it works with God. As much as I would love to continue to sin and call myself a Christian, I realize that there are just some things I cannot do. And, you know, I had to repent this morning because of some things I was doing. And, and it grieved me to know that I was grieving the Holy Spirit. And until we get back to that place, until everybody gets back to that place, uh, we'll only experience temporal security. We only, we will only experience the security of knowing that God will provide for us and things of that nature. But we have, we just may not walk into the the glory that God wants us to have. 
you know, there is that possibility that we just may miss out on the full rewards of what God has, uh, you know, God wants us to to have. So that's just something to think about. Uh, Listen, we'll be in the chat room even after the show ends. Um, We do appreciate you for joining in. Um, feel free to continue the conversation in the chat room. We are out there. Drop us a line um, on our page. Let us know how we're doing. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.